0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthew.3cr.org.au.
1: This week's edition of the Yarra Users Group Radio Show from Monday the 6th of December 2021. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now for the previous hour of current affairs. My name's Chris. On today's show going back to basics. We've covered lots and lots of uh, different topics over the, the year this year, this uh, program. And we'll be chatting to to residents about uh, inner north and inner east cycling. So we're going to have a bit of a review, what's good, what's not so good about cycling around Yarra and the inner suburbs. And uh, going back to a couple of um, older or previous shows, uh, I've been talking about e-bikes and uh, you know, equitable transport solutions. And I noticed that uh, City Lab have uh, an interesting article about, I'll just, uh, I'll talk about Shona Knife in a moment actually, I've got some interesting news about Shona Knife, about, uh, like basic income but for transport, several US cities are piloting universal basic uh, mobility uh, programs that subsidise bus rides, e-bikes and scooters in the hope of sparking an economic boost. And this program uh, got, was it Bakersfield and Oakland, a uh, central Valley. Uh, forgive me if I am not completely all failure with the um, West Coast geography, but uh, an experimental programme aims to close some of the gaps as well as uh, others around the country. Later this month, 100 vulnerable young Bakersfield residents will be selected to participate in a year-long study to ha- um, about free access to public transit, e- uh, e-scooters and e-bikes and how it affects their lives. And uh, it's one of several pilots in the U.S. cities testing the concept of universal basic mobility. In Oakland, up to 500 residents will receive a prepaid $300 debit card for transit and shared mobility service later this month. And the goal of it is basically to understand how a minimum guaranteed level of transport could change outcomes for people who have been previously gone without it. And across the US, poorer households spend far more on transportation as a percentage of incomes for more affluent ones. And I think if we did uh, some comparison studies, I think if the Vampire Index is still relevant, we could probably find very similar uh, things here in Australia. I hope you had a lovely weekend. Uh, the uh, St- Melbourne segment of the uh, Worldwide Naked Bike Ride happened yesterday. Uh, I think last weekend we had another bike rave and prior to that Abbotsford Cycles had won their swap meets so there's a lot happening in the inner suburbs and I might as well get straight into our interviews. Uh, first one up, I'm going to be talking to Karen. And she's a, a Richmond resident and about how she finds cycling around the inner East.
0: Hi, my name's Karen Hobinger. I've lived in Richmond for the last 30 years and I've ridden my bicycle around the inner city for the last 40 years. So, It's quite a long time, really. Been really enjoying the changes, actually. So separated bike lanes are a revelation. I've uh, spent a lot of time finding all of the back streets so that I can just tootle on my bike and not have to worry about cars. So having new routes open up where I can still tootle, but it's also a more direct trip has been a pretty nice change in the landscape of cycling in, the, in my area.
1: Because cycling was kind of seen, even in the inner suburbs and until relatively recently, as something as a young, fit, brave, mile pursuit. And cycling for transport really shouldn't be this sort of, for want of a better expression, makisimo out there activity. It's not an outlier activity at all.
0: Well, no. So my mum and I were talking about it last night. My mum's 75. She rides her e-bike also all over um, in Melbourne. And we were agreeing with each other that we ride our bikes because we're lazy. We, we don't want to have to find a parking spot and we don't want to have to walk from wherever we've had to park our cars to the front door of wherever it is we're going We can just jump on our bikes um, and arrive at our destination, lock up pretty close by and go and do the things that we want to do without having to worry about all of those extra stuff. So it's a lazy way to travel in the inner city. It's a door to door thing, isn't it? Yeah. So what was it like when you started out? I don't remember it being a particularly big deal. My parents made me do what they called a bike riding licence when I started writing, and so they went out with me the first couple of times while they made sure sure that I understood how to work in the traffic. I mean, one of the trips that I remember regularly doing as a 10-year-old was riding all the way along Rathdown Street to get to the library, and I used to do that after school on my own with no dramas. I don't remember that being a particularly scary or weird thing to do. I just did it.
1: This, these are the stories that come out, you know, I've been doing this show for quite a long time, of what mm-hmm. reality is for people and what the, the media, you know, mainstream media, uh, thinks uh, cycling and walking and all that is. And it's it's weird. I was watching a really good doco on SBS the other night on um, International Day of Disability. And people, advocates talking about what it's like and how Hollywood Kind of puts this strange thing out about people who have disabilities and it's yeah, magical things of like no we're just people we we are who we are yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing with cycling it's like you know the the amount of hyperbole <laughs> and and, and you're saying as yeah you know, as, as a young'un you
0: just like you just got on with it yeah I rode my bike to school so I used to ride along the Park Street bike path to get to high school. And that was a lovely way to ride, pretty quiet, and all the rest of it. So I think my mum always taught me about finding those quiet routes going places so that you did minimise going on the major roads. But that was mostly just so you didn't have to pay as much attention and it was just a more comfortable way to be.
1: With changes, with the separated infrastructure coming in, have you found it? Like, you'd be close to the Elizabeth
0: Street trial? Yeah, so I'm really close to the Elizabeth Street trial. I think the the one that's made a bigger difference has actually been Albert Street. It connects to Elizabeth Street. So, in fact, so I used the Albert Street for getting to work for quite a long time, which was always exciting once you got into the city because it doesn't connect especially straightforwardly. And the Elizabeth Street trial is, like, for me, I just see it as a logical extension of the Albert Street trial. Mm. Um, It probably doesn't make a lot of difference for me because I don't really think very hard about cars. I guess my major concern when I'm riding is around getting doored. I'm quite paranoid about being doored. That's for me, is the benefit of the separated infrastructure is that I can switch off my concerns, that particular concern.
1: How do you find the treatments like, you know, for, you know, where Elizabeth Street goes into Albert, bisected by the extremely large Hoddle Street intersection? How do you find that? Because it is a bit of a dog leg. And for some people I've heard it, it can be really off-putting if you're not totally familiar with the way that kind of
0: dips off to the side. I hadn't really thought about it. I guess, yeah. I, I like like I said, I was actually riding up there before there was a separated So it all was a fairly natural convergence. And I think one of the big things that, that I do as a cyclist is that I assert my lane. I'm very big on realising and on asserting to the car drivers that I have a vehicle and they have a vehicle and therefore I have as much right to a lane as they do. So I tend to sit in the middle of the lane and make sure that they keep out of my way as much as possible with my body language and I think when you have that attitude it is much easier to navigate that particular section of road Hi, I'm Tara Sultana and you are listening to 3CR please subscribe do yourselves a massive favor thank you very much
1: Have you found changes during COVID, like more people riding, more people out and about? Have you found that? So
0: I've done less riding in COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, um, I don't think of cycling as a thing that I do for exercise. So for me, it's about getting from A to B. And when you don't have a reason to go out and ride from A to B, there's no B to get to, I tend not to get on my bike as much. So I've really noticed, in fact, as we've come out of lockdown, that I'm much more likely to be jumping onto the bicycle. And that was the impetus for me buying my new e-bike this week.
1: So have you found that getting an e-bike?
0: So I've actually been stealing my partner's e-bike for a number of years now. He wanted a new bike and I said, well, we should get an e-bike as a family. So we had one e-bike already. Then this week we got a second e-bike because there were so many times that I wanted to be on the e-bike and he wanted to be on the e-bike at the same time. When we were both heading off to things together, that's going to be a lot easier now. That, that's
1: for getting around, doing the shopping, that sort of thing?
0: And it's also my, um, my daughter is involved in a Scout production that gets has rehearsals up in Camberwell. And getting to Camberwell by bicycle is a bit annoying because it's uh, 60 metres of elevation to get there. So it was always a, I think we're going to need an e-bike to do that one by bicycle. So we actually got a folding e-bike so that one of us can go up to Camberwell with her. And then at the end of the day, after she's done all of her rehearsals, the plan is that we'll be able to pick her and the folding e-bike up with a car to just make that a bit of an easier trip. But at least we can knock out one car trip from I guess the load on the planet. Obviously, you're living in
1: a Richmond area. How do you find you know, getting around with the bike in terms of you're saying door to door? Do you have any trouble with like you know things in hallways or do you have a, a set space? These sort of things. People think about you know things like e-bikes as they are, can they can be large and sometimes they can be heavy in terms of, you know, your battery and cargo bikes and the like. What's your setup? What do you do for either storage, safe storage and or recharging? We're
0: actually really lucky. So we've practically got a suburban block in Richmond. So we have a rear lane and we've recently fixed up our back gate and back fence situation so that now, uh, and we have actually spent um, a reasonable amount of energy in making cycling as easy as possible to do. I realised that one of the reasons that we were often jumping in the car was because it was sort of outside the front door and the keys were really accessible and you just had to grab what you wanted, grab the keys, and you could jump in the car and go. And I realised that our cycling needed to be just as easy. And so I set up our garage so that the bikes are right at the front and you can just, and it's always, they've always got lights on them. Any of the other equipment that we might need to take with us is immediately accessible next to those bikes and we can just grab our keys and jump on a bike and go. That's the sort of thing people need to hear because there's uh lack of information and stuff.
1: like every, As you, we know, as a car driver, everything's set up for the car driver every mm. single step of the way. But when you start thinking outside that and thinking of a different way of getting about, it's those little things that uh, people might find just a little thing that's uh, stopping them from taking the extra step it's hearing about how you're you're set up it could help people like oh i've got a row two or i've got a front room mm. that i may use as an office that i could use you know these these sort of things to we're thinking about
0: yeah. and, it, and it really is if you can do all of that thinking up front so that it then becomes a second nature and just an, as easy a solution as possible that's a really great one i actually have a game that i play uh when i'm getting out Out of my suburb whether i'm in the car or on my bike i always have a look at google maps before i leave because i need to know what's happening with the traffic if there's a problem on hobble street it will impact on which direction i might choose to go in so i tend to always look on google maps and i've um recently no not recently i've i've started playing a game where i if i'm going to carlton for instance from richmond I will check what the driving time is versus what the cycling time is. And particularly with a pair of e-bikes now, that time, I'm surprised at how often the time is the same. At peak hour, it is the same time to get from the Hull Street end of Richmond to get down to the Burnley Street of Richmond by both car or by bicycle. So for driving my daughter around for ballet lessons or whatever, it was fun to work out that in fact grabbing the bikes would make no make no difference and in fact is sort of fun when you pass 50 cars all lined up trying to turn right into burnley street and you just zing past them all on the bike it becomes a fun thing to thumb your nose at all of the drivers who are you know just sitting there
1: you got any overviews of like what you've seen in terms of how things have developed around the, you know the inner suburbs f- for riding is it kind of gone you know the flats and plateaus or this sort of thing have you have you seen like
0: a general improvement downward sort of thing you know i think i'd probably describe it as a slow improvement and i'm really struck by one of the things i've been thinking about lately is just how much of yarra's bicycle transportation is the bicycle paths and network is based on a north-south direction, actually heading east-west can be a much more difficult proposition, which I find really interesting. So yes, Albert Street's probably our best east-west pathway, but when you think about Hyatt Street or Gertrude Street, sort of getting across from the fabulous setup that we have on Wellington Street and to get across into Richmond, can actually be difficult to do. Because I was talking to uh,
1: David, another thing to do with Yarra, and he said pretty much the same thing. It's like, because he used to live in Hawthorne and getting across Yarra is really difficult. And, you know, there may be a new on, oh, why don't you all use the Street Creek Trail? And it's like, it's too far south.
0: I don't think I've ever used that because I guess I tend to be moving, yeah, from Richmond across to Fitzroy, at Clifton Hill probably my most common trips but it's the east west movement that I find most yeah they got it because
1: there was a move well over a decade ago to look at Gertrude Street and because it's already got a lot of traffic calming sort of measures on it I think it's difficult you may have a bit of work needs to be done there so yeah it's something there that needs to be revisited because again I hear from people about Johnson Street you may think it's so logical to ride on that but people find it quite intimidating yeah with the bus on it is and bridge road with some of the bluestone treatments and stuff and it's narrow Mm -hmm. especially at the you know the older end of it so something there i think council department of transport Vic rose should have a good think about in terms of you know how strategic cycling corridors sit under the pbn and things like that there's there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of work there that could be
0: done well i mean i guess the cars have a lot of north south Um, crossings that uh, interfere with cyclists getting across yeah so Nicholson Street for instance is always there's bits in between but they don't all connect up so there's Nicholson Street is really hard to cross and Hoddle Street is hard to cross and then Church Street can be a bit annoying and Burnley Street is difficult to cross in places so there's I, I often use Palmer Street as one of my quiet ways to avoid Hyatt Street and any of the dooring problems that I might have along Hyatt Street. so And I'll head across to Palmer Street and I'll go all the way down there and then just come up against the road median in Burnley Street that just stops cyclists from going across to get to the next stage of quite a nice cycling route.
1: What would you see that should be improved in Yarra? Basically those east-west sort of Alignments or...?
0: I think the East-West alignments are definitely a big one. I'm always very, very keen on having bicycle parking outside all of the places that I want to go. So I'd love to see a lot more bicycle parking as well. G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 on your dial.
2: Hi, I'm David Balding. I'm now a resident in Richmond, only here since the start of uh, lockdown. So I've had all of lockdown to start exploring the streets uh, of uh, around Richmond and Yarra and, of course, uh, far beyond.
1: How have you found like conditions and some of the treatments and the like?
2: First of all, it was like a big step forward because I used to live in Hawthorne, which is not very far away. But, you know, Hawthorne, when we moved to Melbourne, Hawthorne said, uh, people said Hawthorne was a great place to live, but it's terrible for traffic and uh, fast moving cars. So Richmond's is a big step forward in Yarra generally but still it's not as good as it should be given you know given where we are a really inner city no g- kind of big you know mountains or anything like that at, uh, there's the, there's the river Yarra of course it's a kind of a mixed story i think you know it, it it is good i ride around everywhere on the bike and of course one thing about melbourne generally the off road trails along the rivers and creeks, you know, the Mary Creek, the Darabin, everything. We've done them all during the lockdown. And they're fantastic, you know, like very few other cities in the world can compare with that. But on road, it's a different story. You know, drivers are, are aggressive compared to what I was used to in, in London, which was where we lived before we moved to Melbourne. Uh, and I was a bit sort of taken aback at how aggressive the drivers are. But generally, I've managed to kind of fit in and find back streets. And I, I can get about pretty much everywhere on my bike and i'm pretty happy doing so
1: so have you used any of the treatments that have been put in like stuff like yeah the separated uh, bit on southern brunswick street or elizabeth street and trials or elizabeth
2: street into albert street into the city of course is a fantastic resource but we've also got another route through yarra park right in front of the mcg and coming up to flinders street station that's a fantastic route into the city but the separated bike lanes have been great. Wellington Street, we use a lot getting up to the Fitzroy Pool and up to Edinburgh Gardens and, and, and the uh, the Linear Trail, you know, the Capital City Trail, the Linear Park. So Wellington Street is great. Albert and Elizabeth Street are great. Uh, you know, we're really uh, happy with those. The main Yarra Trail is generally good, though it's been very crowded during lockdown. And so we sort of avoided it at busy times.
1: Yeah, so how would you find like those treatments? You, you know some of these are trials kind of how do they link in though do they kind of like stop start do they does it kind of like Is it continue smoothly into your next part of your commute
2: I think they've been planned pretty well I mean I would say what we've got is good and they connect up well like obviously Elizabeth Street leading into Albert Street is a fantastic connection Wellington Street leads up to the um, to many other things the the Heidelberg Road link now and as I mentioned the Capital City Trail so that's all good I think that you know they're uh, nothing's perfect but they're, they're pretty you know decent width and those kinds of things and uh, you know so I'm pretty happy we just don't have enough of them you know they've given uh, progressive council and we've got a lot of young people and a lot you know a lot of people wanting to cycle a lot of interest in cycling it's sort of disappointing how much uh, infrastructure we've had and then there have been some disappointing things as well like some crazy street planet decades ago organized this is not a traditional thing this is a you know new relatively new thing and a few decades ago they put in these bluestone treatments on a lot of residential street to slow down cars giving no thought to cycles and a lot of the stones have come loose They're gaps even if this even if they haven't come loose the stones are really dangerous for cyclists council's had a policy to get rid of that stuff for years but they've hardly done anything you know there's one uh, Near me at the corner of Basisto Street and Bridge quite a busy intersection I raised it with council a couple of times there's stones missing it's really dangerous you know it could kill a cyclist one day that's the sort of thing that shouldn't be happening in a council like this but also I'm not talking about the heritage bluestone alleyways I mean I understand people love those and I'm not complaining about that this is sort of patches of bluestone that have been deliberately put in to residential streets you know, there's a lot of them I can name, uh, you know, many streets, Mary Street and Kent Street here. There's a lot of it around. And Basisto Street, I just mentioned, that's been deliberately put in. It's not heritage. It was put in to slow cars down. It doesn't really do that. It just endangers cyclists.
1: You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 8:55 am on digital and online.
2: 3CR Radical Radio
1: we have a lower speed limit on some streets, but it doesn't seem to be particularly continuous.
2: Well, we've got 40 on most streets. And I have to say that's not too bad, though. Of course, we all want to move down to 30. And there has been a successful trial. Data's in for years now that the trial has worked well with 30k speed limits on the quieter residential streets. We're not talking about the main roads here. So it's a shame that the state government has kind of blocked progress on that in allowing the council to go ahead and, and do more of that. Uh, so generally, we've got 40k, which is not too bad. There are a few exceptions, obviously on you know Punt Road and Heidelberg Road, they're faster, so I can kind of live with that. But one of the bad ones, in my opinion, is Swan Street. As you cross Church Street, the speed limit goes up 50% from 40k to 60k, and yet it doesn't. Characteristics of the street don't change. It's the same width, and it's very busy shopping and restaurants and things on that eastern section of Swan Street is just crazy going from 40 to 60k. Ideally, the 40k should go right up to the railway overpass. um, And obviously, we'd prefer that it goes right up to the river. So that's, you know, that's an area that needs more work that and the and the bluestone are my sort of two big uh, bugbears. And while I'm on the complaints, it was very disappointing that for a progressive council that talks about supporting cycling and so on, they have spent a million dollars or more on Hyatt Street where it meets church with kind of really mediocre outcomes. You know, it's old fashioned road engineering focused on maximizing car throughput. There are three traffic lanes uh, westbound on a basically a residential street that's one lane most of the way. The cyclists used to be next to a traffic island. And there was a separate bike lane if you're turning left versus going straight ahead. It wasn't great before, I have to say. But it's worse now because the cyclists are kind of squeezed. It's a pretty narrow painted green strip with a car lane on either side, traffic racing to get the the lights. It's a bad outcome. And it's just, and as I said, particularly given that we've got this progressive council that talks about supporting active transport and so on. Uh, that was quite disappointing. I mean, they've, they've done a few token things. They've, they've put a little bit of green paint and they do have now, which they didn't have before, the advanced start for bikes. So bikes get a few seconds head start on the traffic. So that's something, but it doesn't make up for the, for the deficiencies. And they actually spent a million dollars to make things worse. That was Vic Rhodes money. But I also heard only from a friend of a friend that actually Vic Rhodes had better plans and it was the Yarra traffic engineers that insisted on this Although it was Vic Roads money, they did kind of work with the council on the planning, and apparently it was the council on insisted on this current design. So I heard, but you know, I don't know that for sure.
1: Do you have an overall wish list or things you'd like to see done better in the future in Yarra?
2: Big thing still dates from my time living in Hawthorne. I cannot believe there is no decent east-west crossing of the river between Richmond and Hawthorne. And now I don't need to go to Hawthorne so often. It's not such a major thing for me. But you've got Swan Street, then Bridge Road, and then uh, what does Victoria Street become? Barker Road. Uh, yeah, but and you have to go, yeah. t- Total 12 lanes of traffic crossing the river. Nothing for cyclists. Absolutely Disastrous the whole way. And that seems to me to be a huge priority to have at least one of those 12 lanes dedicated to cyclists or a new bridge. I mean, the potential for really thousands of commuter cyclists from Hawthorne that could be commuting into the city and South Bank and Carlton and those kind of places, but they are deterred because they can't cross the river safely. It just, that seems to me to be really, really the most obvious need. I mean, it's fantastic that we're going to finally get the Gipps Street steps replaced and maybe also, who knows, the Walmer Street Bridge. But for me, that east-west crossing to Hawthorne is more important than both of those things because of the potential for surely hundreds and maybe even thousands of commuters using that, you know, the big reduction in traffic and so on.
1: That's the thing about like Victoria, you go into the cutting and then you kind of pop out at that awful amalgam of stuff at Barker's and I hate that intersection with it. Yeah, it's horrible.
2: Yeah, I I use Bridge Road and you can use Hyatt Street to get Down towards the bridge. But you know, once you're at the bridge, you've got no choice. Heading east over to Hawthorne, you've got that traffic light there. Sometimes you can take advantage of that. And when the traffic stops for the traffic light, that gives you a bit of a breathing space for the bikes to get across the bridge before the traffic flow starts again. You don't have that coming the other way and that's, uh, you know, it should be better than that.
1: Uh, I think the inadvertent emphasis is upon getting people to use the Gardner's Creek Trail, which is well and good, but it's over capacity.
2: Yeah, also, but it does, just serves quite a different area, you know, if you're in, in the central or northern part of Hawthorne, the Gardner's Creek Trail is just too far out of the way and it is also over busy you know that yes. section under the freeway is too narrow it's great uh, I, I kind of love that cycling under the freeway for some reason even though it's not particularly beautiful but it is too narrow at busy times where I lived more central in Hawthorne it was just too far out of the way to do that regularly.
1: Did you Have you had a chance to use any of the separated facilities that City of Melbourne have been putting in?
2: Oh yeah I've been you know I've sort of deliberately gone out and checked out all the new things as they got finished you know and they're fantastic of course uh, particularly William Street you know that's a great uh, connection uh, right up to it you know now i think they've finished most of the way right up to the haymarket roundabout and to the exhibition street you know the, all that's been uh, that's been fantastic still not great for east west you know most mm. of the, both of those are north south which have been big improvements but east west you've just got latrobe street which is you know nearly always blocked by construction works and that kind of thing but the other thing you've got now are the the little streets being made more friendly for pedestrians and bikes. So that's good as well. And I've been started to use Little Collins Street a little bit as a main kind of east-west thoroughfare to get across the city, which has been pretty good. Despite all those gripes, you know, we do have some pretty fantastic possibilities on this, you know, the go come back to those off-road trails, the Capital City Trail is you know one of the best inner city bike trails in the world i would say uh because you've got everything from the the city center you've got greenery you've got the river you've got the kind of urban wastelands under the freeway uh, the the royal park you've, you've got everything it's so we do have some fantastic facilities here but yeah on road in particular could be much better
1: to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple.
0: Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org A 3CR supporter.
1: And that's all I've got time for today. As I mentioned in the intro uh, about Shona Knife, there's a very good article in The Guardian. Just bring that up. Oh, why do you do this when I'm on air? Incorrect pin. Anyway, it was published about uh, three days ago um, in the thing talking about 40 years of Shona Knife, about, you uh, Riding bikes and wanting to turn into a cat and candy. And yeah, it's a really good article called Daniel Robeson and Show The Knife. I know it's a little bit non-bicycle related, but I absolutely love playing this as an intro. Right, Tio. So today's show should be up uh, shortly on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts and also on our mirror site. And don't forget, 3CR, we rely upon the subscriptions and donations from you our lovely listeners. So go to 3cr.org.au and look for the subscribe donate option. Up next is Shebop and uh, I'll be back in a fortnight.